tonight on News 4 at 5. Nothing beats a long hot shower in the winter, but how long do you take? 10 minutes. 20 minutes. If there's music, maybe 30. Heating water is so expensive, so I'll show you four ways to slash your energy bill. Saving you money this winter. Consumer reporter Susan Hogan is working for you tonight on News 4 at 5 with Wendy Rieger, Jim Hanley, and Chief Meteorologist Doug Kammerer. Getting you up to speed the minute you get home with the day's top stories and changing weather conditions. Working for you on NBC4 at 5. Welcome to the Monkeys Fighting Robots podcast with Matthew Sardo. Take your sticky paws off me, you damn dirty ass. <laughs> Holy sh! They're actually monkeys fighting robots! You can follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots. <laughs> And on Instagram at Monkeys Fighting Robots. Make sure to download and review our podcast from iTunes and Stitcher. And now, here's your host, Matt. Welcome to the 83rd episode of Monkeys Fighting Robots. Today is going to be a spooky show. EJ and I are talking about the new Ghostbusters film. I'm your host, Matthew Sardo. I'm also the co-founder of MonkeysFightingRobots.com. Joining me in the banter is my co-host, movie critic, EJ Marino. But first... Now it is time for the Winnipeg weather report for our super fan Chad. And this is a really important week because this weekend is the Winnipeg Fist Festival. Can't even say it. July 16th, this weekend in Winnipeg, everything you want to do with fish is going to happen 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. And it's free to the public. The Winnipeg Fist Festival. I just I can't say it, but I love it. I just love it. I trust the Winnipeg people with their fish, so I can't wait to see what they're going to do. And we'll be keeping updates now that I know about this Winnipeg Fish Festival. I'm there. I have to know everything about it. It's going to be sunny in the 77 on Saturday with a low of 57. Sunday is probably when Chad should go see Ghostbusters because it looks like it's going to be thunderstorms and 75, cloudy, crappy day. Go to the movies, Chad. And if you want a personalized weather report slash events now. This thing's just going to keep expanding. You just need to be a super fan like Chad. And the quickest way to become a super fan is just comment on the podcast. If you comment on the podcast, just click on it and just be like, hey, I hate what you guys are doing. You guys suck. We'll make fun of you. But you will also give you a weather report and we'll tell you what events are going on here as well. And EJ's just going to stare at me in his little screen. I thought he was like, I thought he was like, he had the words coming out of his mouth, but then he... Just didn't say anything at all to me. Yeah, I was waiting for you to say, who are you going to call, EJ? Who am I going to call? That's what I was waiting for. Who are we going to call? Ghostbusters. We should start pranking people. I feel like this is something we should start doing. I have a phone that's connected to this, and I feel like we we should just start calling Dewey and be like, hey, Dewey, what's going on? And then just hang up on him. That would be funny. And if you guys don't know who Dewey is, Dewey is the other movie critic on... Monkeys fighting robots, and we pick on them a lot. But we love Dewey. Dewey's our friend. Well, not the other movie critic. Like, the other, 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 other movie critic. But he's, like, the originator. Like, he's the OG movie critic on Monkeys fighting robots. Well, Felix Albuena, he was the first movie critic on Monkeys fighting robots. And really? Then, That's awesome. And then Dewey came in, and then we had two. I was the only one who didn't want to review movies, and then I ended up kind of liking doing it more than I thought I would. I just wanted to do op-eds and make stupid opinion pieces, but I'm like, damn it, now I have to talk about movies as well. Speaking of stupid opinion pieces, Ghostbusters comes out this week. Yeah, that's the opinion piece to end all opinion piece, basically. 
I still can't believe the chaos that came with this film. It's just, I, it's crazy. It's, I think it's probably in this modern era one of the craziest like reactions to a movie ever. I sit and I analyze the internet for pop culture news. That's what I do. It's monkey fighting robots. That's, but I I don't understand all this hatred. I've it's it's getting in like an epic. I don't I don't know where all the anger came from. I because I like the Ghostbusters. I and Ghostbusters two is an okay film. I really enjoyed the animated films. I remember because I'm a guy. I'm a tall white dude. I'm I'm the demographic of the Ghostbuster haters. Uh, but I remember when it came out, I was like, oh, they're gonna make an all girl one. I was like, this sounds really forced. And it was from a it was from a place of concern, just not I hate girls and girls suck mode. It that wasn't me. I was just like, I. Just, you know, when you when you try to replace all the characters and flip flop genders, it sometimes doesn't work out. But the more people got angry, the more I was like, I don't really care. I don't care. I definitely didn't think it was a, at first. It was a misogynistic thing. I was just like, okay, it's another reboot. People shit on whatever the next reboot is. That's just how it works. But then I was just like, this is some weird hatred. And a lot of it was because it was women. A lot of it was because it's a remake, but a lot of it was a, it's a lot of bandwagon hate. And I think that's what made this worse was how passionate the the original haters were. Everyone was like, I want to be in on this hating fun. And it became cool to hate it. And I think that was a big problem that this had was how cool it was to bash on it before it even came out. There's no Ghostbusters universe. I mean, those movies came out so long ago and there's been a few video games here and there, but all the people that like I'm almost 40 and I saw the second movie in the theaters. I mean, is it, are we talking about a whole bunch of 55 to 60 year old dudes that are man hating against all these women? Yeah, that's kind of what it started to. And then it trickled down to like the people who thought it was the Internet trolls. That's like the next level down from like the original Ghostbusters haters is Internet trolls took over and it became the cool thing. And then the hipsters basically were like, well, everyone's hating on it. Let's hate on it, too. Yeah, it, it's sad where it started and how deep it got and what the the different areas of hate was, because I don't think it is just all women haters, because like even you said, you were just kind of concerned of how it was turning out as opposed to I don't like women. And I think that was a lot of people's issue, but a lot of it did end up being. No, it I just went women. straight to a dark. It went straight to a dark place. And my thing is, if a millennial ever came up to me, I was like, "I hate the Ghostbusters remake. I can't believe they what they did." I'm like, "You have no concept of what it was for Ghostbusters." I I understand you can watch it and you can watch a movie a million times over and again because I've watched a lot of movies and you can have personal things. But like when people say they're ruining my they're they're ruining my childhood or even going to the far as like raping my childhood you know what a line i hate the whole ruining my childhood because they remade a movie is there nothing else in your childhood they didn't go back in time and shit on your eighth birthday and was just like surprise no they remade a movie i hated that whole thing and yeah i i'm definitely the the person you were talking about of if i would have walked up to you and been like they're ruining a classic film like the ghostbusters you would have been like one you called ghostbusters classic you're stupid because it's 80s like it's not even that long ago and that like people's like that's what I, I did a facebook post about it i'm like you guys are pissed about this but ben hur which is like cinematic gold it's what may, helped build the hollywood film industry no one's pissed about that i'm like guys come on yeah it's weird and i i'm definitely someone who doesn't have any attachment to ghostbusters i didn't grow up with it i kind of caught the ass end of it and i, I i'm definitely the one who's i was more excited to see what they can make and they made something cool. 
I just wanted to laugh. For me, I wanted to go to a movie. I, I like supernatural stuff, but I knew this wasn't going to be heavily sci-fi centric. But I wanted to laugh. And, and when you put four comedians in a room, sometimes you get some magic. And if you add some ancillary characters, you get some good stuff. And I enjoyed the film. All the aspects of it, like the cinematography, the acting, plot is whatever but i mean you have to the plot for this type of movie is always going to be wonky yeah it's a simplistic plot but i think they told their simple story very well you they got a great introduction someone wrote a book in the past it's coming back they all have to come back together it was an easy way of bringing people together and yeah the plot the story it's a ghostbusters movie they're literal it that's you know a hit or miss that it's very similar to kind of the first plot of like the big bad that they had and like some of the, the, the act notes and how the beats went. But no, um, it, it, it had a good plot. My cinematography feelings, I, I felt a lot of these Hollywood comedies and like just typical big Hollywood movies kind of have basic, just three point lighting, just simple cinematography. And I think they fell into that, but they made up for it with really cool, fun visual effects. And I, I, I apologize. I said cinematography. I meant like special C- effects. Cinematography is hard because cinematography is literally almost everything from, you know, camera movement to the visual effects. But yeah, so I definitely knew what you meant. But that was my thing with cinematography because I, I wanted that could have pushed it further was making inventive editing and filmmaking choices. You do that with your great, you know, your great visual effects and your fun story. You would have made like a almost 10 out of 10 film where this was just it had its faults in the normal faults but everybody was bashing the cg in the trailers i never bashed the cgi in it i wanted to go to everybody who was complaining about cgi and was like how many fucking ghosts have you ever seen in real life (laughs) there's nothing to base it off of like that looks fake oh really how many ghosts have you seen and and feel free to explain how how we're going to do this then because this, to me, reminded me of the cartoon where it's like, oh, ghosts are taking every shape, form, color possible, and, and they're doing what they're doing. And they're, of course, there's like a misty elements and every token thing that you would possibly imagine with a ghost was in there. And it works. I, I you know, I don't, I don't know where people are coming from on that one. Yeah, you brought up a good point. I do feel it's cartoony. And something with CG right now is everyone wants to make realism. They want their CG to blend in beautifully. And they want it to like, no, make something something cartoony. It's what I liked about the new Goosebumps movie. They knew what they were making. They were making cartoony things to sell to children. So this is kind of the same feeling where like their, their creatures and their monsters were so animated and so over the top that there was no realism. And I love that. I loved that they made something fun and something different there's a lot of different callbacks to pop culture i was i was going to ask you and i didn't ask you in the pre-show fist fight if this was it but there's a scene in the movie with the two slimers the slimer girl and the slimer thing and and stuff explodes and they go flying through the air was that a callback to die hard 2 uh, yeah, that's kind of what it felt like, actually. That whole, like, Slimer with the female Slimer was so many, like, subtle 80s things. It reminded me of Gremlins too, when then they had the female Gremlin. Yeah, there was a lot of, like, weird things, but I never really got the Die Hard 2 thing. Holy shit. Good job. <laughs> good, good find there. But we have to have a really heavy conversation about fart jokes. <laughs> and I'm yeah. going to let you just go off on this one. Uh, look... I've sat through so many comedies in my life and heard so many dick fart jokes and everything. And Ghostbusters gave me, I think, the most next level 
fart joke I've ever heard. Like, how do you evolve the fart joke? Ghostbusters gave it to me. And just the setup to the scene, to how the joke played out, it was so smart. And I, I told you in the, like, the little pre-show thing where I think it's because it came from women or not because I know the director's a man, but like something about the delivery and how it was handled was so different seeing it from women. And yeah, I, I loved how it was handled. I was talking about this with Dewey is all the normal tropes that are supposed to be in this film were not in this film. And, and I don't know if it makes the film good or bad because I don't know if they're needed or not, but there was never an, like an alpha male. Uh, there was never like a love interest and there was never like an anti foil villain in there to, to really mess things up. And th those were all pieces from the original Ghostbusters that were absent from this one where the film was just a team of people and there was no one person that kind of jumped out in front of the others. This is definitely Kate McKinnon's breakout performance and, and I'm hoping that this leads to bigger and better things for her because she's a really funny person and this is the prime of her career and you need to snatch her up and put her in lots of films and make us laugh. Yeah, I, sh I definitely agree that this was a good ensemble piece because it's hard to do, especially with some of the egos that come with Hollywood actors where they someone wants to be a little higher than the rest. And I think they actually all four worked very well together, especially Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy coming in with the, the biggest names out of anyone almost in this film other than Chris Helmsworth. You know, some except for the cameo actors, they brought a lot to it and they let those two, Leslie Jones and Kate McKinnon, steal a lot of that movie and they didn't need to let them do that they could have ate up the screen because that's what they're used to they're used to carrying movies and this was cool it reminded me a lot of bridesmaids where we do know Kristen wig was the main actress but all that whole group worked together so well and i loved all four and yeah they, they skipped a lot of stupid tropes and cliches like the girls didn't get into a fight halfway through the movie and we needed a forced moment where they had to come back together and it pauses the action that wasn't there. I don't know if they had it and edited it out because some of the editing was a little obvious that they, they took a lot out of this movie. So I don't know if things like this, these cliches and tropes we were talking about are there. They're just missing. But I, I really like that they did skip a lot. Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy, it's kind of weird, but they're, they're the main characters, but they don't stand out in the film. Chris Hemsworth is just hilarious. See, we, we'll talk about Kate McKinnon and Leslie Jones the whole entire time because they were the ones kind of Leslie Jones was yelling at us and Kate McKinnon was making really weird, awkward. She was making, she was bringing the awkwardness to it. And then Melissa McCarthy and, and Kristen Wiig, they were kind of the straight characters in the chaos. It was, it's not that the film, I, I think the, the film is good. The film is an average film. I think it's an average to a little bit above average. It has a lot of good laughs in it. Just trying to analyze it, it's been kind of tough because there was like all this outside hatred. There's, you know, the previous film where you, you don't want to judge it, but you do want to judge it. And then, like I said, there was these missing elements that are so prototypical of a film that weren't there. And I'm like, okay, would the film been better or worse without them? But I don't want to start influencing, you know, start putting my writing in to the film because I can always write a better film than, than the film that's already been established because I have that script to go off and then I just make up new shit. Yeah, that's the easiest thing about being like a critic is you can you you get a you get a fun position of like having all of this around you and being like, 
but I still could have made a better movie because you're because you're looking at it outside in. And I think that's really interesting about your point of views on it. Because you, yeah, you come up with some awesome ideas, but you just ran off from what they were doing. And right, yes. I'm, I'm stealing everybody else's idea and being like, this is what I would have done. I should be a script consultant. Oh, that's a good thing. I hope you would have <laughs> left my favorite joke in this whole movie in Ghostbusters, which was the Jaws joke. They called the mayor in Ghostbusters worse than the mayor in Jaws, and that is the greatest pop culture reference I could have heard in this entire movie. Yes. Andy Garcia was amazing. His reaction to that, he was so insulted. Because anyone knows if you're a mayor, I bet I bet that's a mayor joke. I really want to know if like mayors of cities don't want to ever be compared to the mayor of Jaws who just let their people die. And that's what he did in this movie was basically like it was elements that they used in like Ghostbusters 1 and 2, the originals, where, you know, the the, the outside world wants no one to know that this is happening. And this is all just a this is a hoax. This is false. But he really knows what's happening and helping them. Yeah, it's, his character was hilarious in that reaction to the Jaws line. Andy Garcia, another one person who got to do a great stealing of the show. If I ever run for mayor, that's my going to be like my anti other mayor slogan is so and so is worse than the mayor from Jaws. So we just make signs as put him in. He would have kept the beaches open on Fourth of July. I wouldn't. I'm closing them for Fourth of July. Yeah, that's that's the platform. Is I'm closing beaches on Fourth. What are you doing? <laughs> okay, I have to talk about a few negative things in this film because I feel like we're just kind of glossing over it and everything. Cecily Strong. Not good. I did not. Like, I felt like if there was a more vindictive person there, that would have been a very good character or however way they shaped it or if they kind of, like, played it safe with that character. If they put every stereotype possible of women into Cecily Strong and she was just female hating on females because, you know, women really hate other women and they're really good at it, too— if that character was just more evil, I think there would have been more power. This, the film would have had a better vibe to it. Well, that's exactly how I feel about the main villain. If they made him more the internet stereotype of that, like, I live in the basement and I hate these women because they're Ghostbusters, that would have been so ballsy and so smart. And, yeah, I definitely felt like I felt that way with her is we could have had a little bit more of this, like, I don't like these chicks because they're chicks, and that would have been another clever kind of joke for the film. Because the joke, the, the movie does have a lot of self-aware, and it seems a lot of the, the the dialogue and some of the jokes were based on the reaction that mo- the movie was already having. So yeah, changing the characters like that would have been a really cool reflection as well. William Atherton in the original film, he's the mayor's assistant, and he's the, the redheaded guy. He's the guy always the thorn in their side, and and. That's where I think Cecily Strong needed to be more like him to where every time he walked into the room or she walked into the room, your skin crawled because you're like, I can't stand this person. And I didn't get that. I didn't get that feeling from her. I, I wish I did because I'm, I'm starting not to like her. I, I think Once she quit Weekend Update, I was like, you know what? That's the best position on SNL. You're missing out. This is your opportunity to shine. She's like, no, I want to I wanna go back to skits. I want to have more FaceTime there. I was like, there's no more FaceTime then weekend update. 
Yeah, Weekend Update, as short as the segment can be sometimes, that is the segment. Like, people have made and launched careers off there, and I definitely feel she's starting to fall into a typecast kind of role where, like, she's been playing this kind of character she was, and if she would have pushed it, like you said, to to the level of what the assistant uh, the assistant mayor was in the first one and how just, like, disgusting he was. And, yeah, the, the film had no real villain. Even the villain in the movie didn't feel like a villain, and this was just another example of them not giving us something kind of bad and a little foil there. This is where I think they played it safe. They didn't want to go too and too much in one area or another area. And they kind of played it safe. And and that's where I think there might've been an issue with having Paul Feig direct the film because his movies are generally R rated films. And that's where most of his, the good jokes come from. And, they could have pushed that envelope more, but they made it a PG-13 film because it was apparently for kids. I don't, I don't get that. I hate it. Well, yeah, because it's so funny that the ghost, the original Ghostbusters has always been like, oh, well, it's a slightly kid movie. And I'm like, one of them gets a blowjob from a ghost. Like, kid, not really as much. And this movie did teeter some of the lines, like the fart joke where she kind of like turns it into a queef joke. And I'm like... Okay, that was a little vulgar. Not everyone's going to get it. But, uh, yeah, I would have actually liked to see what he could have done making this R-rated. Because the Ghostbusters, the people who this was, the, who were going to see it, it was a lot of, like what we said, that the first original crowd and, like, some of the people later on. And they could have made a really cool R-rated movie. And his humor and his plot points could have shined a little bit more than what was what was in this. And then my overall issues with these type of films and I have yet to see a film that has a great third act and this this thing kind of just falls apart in the third act not that I wouldn't say it falls apart it it follows the beats that it needs to follow cuz falling apart is is a rough thing but it just the answer comes easy I don't feel, I don't ever in all the films we've been watching this summer there's never been a real tension going into the third act and then the answer or the victory is always very simple and it's over with there's like I want like a big, in my head, I want a big guitar solo. You know, the guitar solo and music is awesome. And then like, they're like, oh, this song's building up, it's building up. And then it's like a two second guitar solo. And then it's the song's over with. I'm like, no, like I, you're building up to this great thing. And then like, how are you going to figure out how to fix your big issue? And, and that's where writing kind of comes in and, and it starts falling out. They're like, introduction, great, awesome, awesome. And that's sort of getting comic books all the time. It bothers me so much. It's like, build up, build up, build up simple conclusion and we're done yeah we need to find the movie with the free bird guitar solo of third acts like i need 10 minutes guitar solo of fucking epicness and yeah I, i'm glad you pointed it out because that's been a big hollywood thing i think even before this year but i think this year has become very noticeable with how weak third acts actually are and even my favorite movie of the year batman v superman did not need the third act that it had it it kind of deflated it. And I think this movie was building up to something great. And then a lot of that third act kind of deflated some of that thing was happening. No pun intended. Cause there's a lot of balloons at the end of this Ghostbusters, but there was a lot of deflation happening. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. I think that was probably one of my bigger gripes, but my biggest gripe with it is no movie can really handle horror and comedy very well. It, it's hard to mix both. I think the original gremlins is the only movie that mixes both genres very well. Because uh, then you either get scary movie or you get kind of something like this where it is it, it it's too much of one. I would have liked to see it be a little bit more spooky because you could have done a lot with a spooky for PG thirteen. My dad walked out of the original Gremlins because everybody <laughs> was laughing while people were dying, and he's like, 
people are dying. And he like gets up and leaves because he was so angry that people are laughing at people dying. Yeah, and I think that's actually something I love about the original Gremlins. And I love to see that kind of reaction because I'm one of those people when that lady gets shot from her stairs out of there. And I'm like, these little guys, oh, how cute. They killed somebody. <laughs> and we all should be kind of like, this is fucking gross. And yeah, I would have liked to see not maybe to that extent of death in this movie because that's something another problem is like killing off a lot of people with like no consequences. But yeah, I definitely would have liked to see a little bit, a little bit more horror tension because we got it like there's the subway scene when they were below ground and it was building and i'm like okay cool and then it just it it became more comedic than i than i would have personally liked it they did kill the worst actor in the film though that was good oh who was that oh do do it Uh, this is a spoiler so if you're if you're really important about not having your ghostbusters spoiled stop right here and come back to us after you see it we're going to spoil the film now so the worst actor in the film like that they killed off in Ghostbusters was Bill Murray. <sighs> yes, yes, yes. The wor- It's so funny, and I know that I can't wait to see the comment section for this part. Because, yeah, Bill Murray was kind of, I think, the worst cameo in the movie. Other than female Slimer that was like a newish character that I didn't need, I really didn't need him in there. Um, another one that was kind of wasted was Sigourney Weaver's cameo. Yeah, but... Bill Murray's character actually had a point in there. Like there was something he was the debunker and I thought there was going to be more of it or more to do with it. Like the validation factor. That's what they were building up in this film of like, you know, Oh, you're ghost girl. Oh, you're ghost girl. And like, Oh no, I'm going to get validated. I'm not going to be a ghost girl anymore. Actually, even though you are ghost girl, which is fine. It's fine to be ghost girl. Like that's what they should have just been fine. Like, you know, like just be ghost girl, but they were building up this validation thing. And then, the way he acted and the way they whoever whoever did wardrobe for him just needs to get shot. That was the worst outfit ever. It was probably just him going, it's like, I'm gonna put on whatever I want. And they probably just let him do whatever he wanted. And that's the problem. And I blame that on Paul Fegg for being like, listen, Jagbag, like, you're getting paid. Just do it. Blah blah. And and Sony's probably like, you gotta do whatever you want. This is where the whole big corporations and trying to get fanboy love may have heard a film. Yeah, absolutely. I I would have either liked to see that Bill Murray character have a bigger arc and do more in the film or not be in it at all. It was so it was so wasted and it was kind of cool for a second. And then I was just like, okay, it's especially me not being a huge fan of the original. And I'm not the biggest Bill Murray fan. I think, you know, he he had his his great moments, but I'm not like, oh, I can't wait for something Bill Murray's going to do, like interrupt a wedding. But uh, yeah, and this this kind of God, you hate Bill Murray so much. Yeah, yeah, he really kind of bothers me. Like, unless it's Groundhog's Day or Lost in Translation, I just kind of ignore Bill Murray. Um, St. Vincent was really good. So good. I've heard great things about other films, but it was Caddyshack. Caddyshack ruined Bill Murray Murray for me. I know. I just don't like it. Ah, Rodney Dangerfield, such an underrated person. Amazing what an person. human. <laughs> I, I, I miss you so much. Human. Oh man, where where are we with this here? I I have we said everything we need to say about Ghostbusters? I have one more thing, and this is not even just Ghostbusters. This is the problem we talked. We always talk about a little bit with corporations. This is so small and so subtle, but they ate Papa John's in the movie. Oh you yes, I see that all the time. You don't live in New York and eat Papa John's. Sorry. You, especially where they were in New York, they were like in the up above, like a Chinese restaurant. You got awesome floppy New York pizza, and no, you don't eat Papa John's just because 
just because Papa gave you $3 million to put it in the movie does not mean I want to see New Yorkers eat Papa John's. My smallest complaint, but God, did that stick out to me. See, I watched Smallville for 10 seasons straight and struggled through it, and that was the epitome of product placement. I think that's the only reason why the show stayed on is this is the only reason uh, made more money just with product placement than actually advertising. So they're like, yeah, we'll just keep it on. So we'll just put it And it was ridiculous. I'm going to give them credit. I'm going to give Paul Fegg credit because they were above a Chinese food restaurant. And did we ever see a Chinese person? No. It, I think the guy who ran it was just like some Indian guy. Was it the guy from Deadpool? Because it, like- it could be the taxi driver from Deadpool could have been the delivery guy from the Chinese restaurant. Yeah, I, I felt like that was because like there's some couple of similarities with like their humor, but that was that was one of the funniest gags actually was that whole like China restaurant. She kept getting that like wonton soup and it was just like either all soup, one wonton or all wontons, no soup. What a, that was such a fun buildup. Yeah, that was that was a good little note that they had not an actual. But Chinese nobody person. would ever complain that their whole entire soup is full of wontons. <laughs> yeah, it, it, no, yeah, no one would, but maybe Melissa McCarthy would. Oh, man. The, the shrimp soup, that was hilarious because that shrimp was disgusting. It just, <laughs> yeah, that was see, really gross. Like, I don't even know what this is. I I did like the takeout gag. I I, I read about it earlier, and I knew that was going to be a running gag in there, and I was like, oh, this is going to be horrible. But it actually worked. It it makes sense that she she's always bitching about to-go food, which is and she keeps ordering from the same place. As a person that's worked at restaurants, I find it hilarious that people can – bitch about service or food over and over again, but then they come back. Every time, yeah. If you don't like it, go somewhere else. We don't want to see you again. That's one of my favorite things that, like, and I think Paul like, Fogg does it a lot with his comedy very well, is that was such a real thing. That, ha- Like you said, that happens all the time, and he, he made that, that, that subtle realism in this movie about ghosts, and he gave me something really authentic and real. Yeah, I really, really like that about it. Oh man, I there. There's a lot of things to like. There's a few things to dislike about it. And again, it's an average film, maybe a little above average. I'm looking. Oh, I'm just on the internet right now, having everything in my face, and I see Max Landis reviews Ghostbusters. Says some of it's racist. Come on, Max Landis, you just say stupid shit to say stupid shit. Stop saying stupid shit, Max Landis. That's my PSA for today. Yeah, I thought. I don't know. I thought Leslie Jones's character, which, yes, was probably one of the only, like, people of color in that entire film, but she was handled like Leslie Jones. Like, they didn't write her to be this this character that isn't what she is not. She always plays this kind of role. And that's why when people are like, oh, they've, they've typecasted it and made her a stereotype. And I'm like, they made her her. Unless she's faking this on SNL and everything I've ever seen her in, that's what she plays. And I love that character, and I think she did great. And, yeah, there's there's a lot of shit that I'm like... I don't, these complaints are just pulling complaints out of nowhere. And I was just happy that like we've said, there is more good than bad in this. And I, and maybe I wanted to like it more because the haters hated it so much and I wanted to prove them wrong. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad it was what it was. And I think that's where we're going to leave it. We're going to close the book on Paul Fegg's Ghostbusters. It's an average to above average film that we liked. And with most films these days have flaws, but we're going to see another one. There's going to be a Ghostbusters 2. And and you know what? I One, I hope it's better than Ghostbusters 2, the original, because not that great of a movie. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to okay, be Okay, can interested. you just stop bashing on the original Ghostbusters? That's all no, you've no. been doing. 
for the past two, 20, two. 32 minutes, you've just been like, you know, I'm not a fan of the original Ghostbusters. You know, I'm, uh, look at that special effects. And then you're like, Ghostbusters 2, a uh, horrible movie. Come on. I mean, how wrong am I about Ghostbusters 2, though? Not that great. One, I will say it it is cool for what it was, but definitely not my movie. And I, I'm glad this is uh, this is my first time falling in love with the Ghostbusters movie and actually like getting to like it as much as other people like the original. Not that I think this is better than the original, but I do like it more. Like I said, we're closing the book on this. We're moving on. Up oh, next week is Star Trek Beyond, and I don't know how we're going to talk about it because there's no press screening for it. Yeah, it seems like Paramount's just a wee bit scared about this. But yeah, I'm no, they're not scared, man. God, everybody keeps saying that. It's I don't not. Know. It's not a scared thing. The, the kid just died. They're not going to like have a whole bunch of internet trolls bash a kid that just died. They sent out some reviews. The premiere is at Comic Con. Like it's. It's not like they're being like, oh, we're just gonna kind of slip this in here. I'm gonna go to the marathon on Wednesday. So I can see it ahead of time. I just didn't want to see Into the Darkness again. So the marathon would be cool if I could just skip that second one. As much as I like Cumberbatch's con. It, it's, I'm, I'm excited for Star Trek because it would be something fun to talk about. And the cast is really cool. And all this like Sulu drama that's been lasting for too long. I'm way interested to see if that's going to be a three second scene in the movie of Sulu being gay. And then all of this bitching for nothing. I think No, it's exactly what it is. Because yesterday, when another statement came out, I was like, is this still a thing? Is this still going on? And and apparently it's still going on. And, and Simon Pegg is is livid at this point in time that it's still going on. And I, I again, they even stated in the beginning, it's going to be just a nonchalant thing that he's talking about his significant other and that they, they're raising the kid together. So there's probably going to be like, a real quick scene where he's like, hey, we're going off into the dark, you know, we're going into the darkness or, or wherever we're, we're going beyond. And he says goodbye and maybe gives a hug and hugs his kid. You know, it's going to be that departing scene. Yeah, it's going to be like have fun storm in the castle, waving by. And yeah, it's going to be over nothing. And I, I just don't, especially as a gay man, I'm like, look, we got a wee bit of representation in a sci-fi movie. I'll take it. It's not that bad. So, yeah, yeah, I, I'm more excited to see. This is another one is all the, the hype and everything before. Will it make the movie live up to its hype? So, yeah, I can't wait for Star Trek now. And then after that, we have Jason Bourne. And I'm hoping that that if that doesn't give me my third act epic battle fight between some dude and another dude for like 15 minutes, I don't know what else could. Yeah, I just watched the Bourne Identity again. I just forgot how like wonderful and like how how simple and how inventive that movie was and what it did and i i really hope jason Bourne keeps that alive because i didn't really love the jeremy renner one that just happened and i i think this is a return to form and i think matt damon's going to own again because he 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 is jason Bourne, and i i can't wait to see what he's gonna do last week when we were talking about films that changed the mold and and reinvented things the first born identity that was a whole new style of, of, of filming a fight scene, and it was very close, and, and it worked for that film, and then every other film did it afterwards, and then I hated that form. But that was something that changed how you watch the fights, fight scene in action films, and, and I'm excited. I can't wait for that film. Yeah, I totally agree, and I think it's going to... I actually hope this one can push another boundary, and maybe Jason Bourne could be what Bourne's um, identity was and give me something inventive and, like boundary pushing 
And I really like Julia Stiles. I miss her. Yeah, oh God, she was someone who, like, her time period of being around from 10 Things I Hate About You to Save the Last Dance, I, like, loved her, and I loved seeing her in these Bourne movies, and that's my favorite thing about it coming back is another Julia Stiles role. Hi, EJ. Uh, this was a... This was an interesting... This is more mellow, but because there was a lot of hate and animosity towards this, and then the film came out. It's not that it came out flat, but I just... Ghostbusters came, and it's here, and... And now it's over with, and we have something else to talk about next week, and that's the way it goes in the world of pop culture. Yeah, and I, I don't hate how the system works, and I'm glad that this kind of Ghostbusters thing is kind of over with and behind us. As much as I enjoyed the movie, I'm just done with it for the year. I don't want to hear about it again until the sequel comes out. No more of that. Yeah, and I can't wait for the next week's movies. Have a good weekend, EJ. Thank you so much. Hey, Matt, we survived another episode. Oh, no! Once again, there are several ways you can do the conversation after the show. Follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots. You can look at all our silly photos on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. You can follow me on Twitter at Matthew Sardo. My co-host EJ is also on Twitter at EJ Christ with a K. The biggest compliment we receive is when the subscriber number goes up on SoundCloud. If you have a chance, we would greatly appreciate a review of our show on iTunes. All you Android users out there, listen to the show on Stitcher. Additionally, there's this great app called TuneIn. Listen to every radio station in the world. Plus the Monkey Fighting Robots podcast. Okay, Lunchbox, let's try this again. There are so many people that made the 83rd episode of Monkey Fighting Robots a success. Special shout out to my co-host, EJ Marino, for putting up with me. Last week at Ghostbusters was tough. Jeff Shade is the creator of our amazing intros and outros. Jessica Wynn designed the Monkey Fighting Robots logo. Are you a monkey or are you a robot? The staff of Visual Realm built our website and keeps us up and running. To all my friends, family, and the interweb, thank you very much for joining us for this episode of Monkeys Fighting Robots. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like taking those perfect new year, new you portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. It's the best way to stay connected to everyone you'll heart most in 2019. So get ready to fall in love with iPhone XR on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE to learn more or visit a store today. With 25% off all new and up to 70% off previously leased furnishings, do you really need a better reason to party? We don't think so. Come visit our new Court Furniture Clearance Center with more than 9,000 square feet of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home and office. Sofas from $199.99, bedroom sets from $399.99, dining sets from $299.99, and more. Free food, prizes, and fun all weekend long at our Chantilly Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com.